Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Notice, no Greg Sussman, just Frank Sample here. We have to come back with a Metallica intro because obviously I'm not going to sing without Greg Sussman. I would butcher the song. I'm not going to go ahead and do that. Uh, so you're going to wonder, you know, who's filling in for Greg Sussman today? Well, that, that's a great question. It is a very, very special guest here. Elliot Crisp, sports product manager for the Quant Edge. Follow him on Twitter at E-L-I-O-T-C-R-I-S-T. Elliot Chris. The Quant Edge. Make sure you visit them. They have advanced analytics, DFS advice, betting advice. Uh, they have a betting tool that's 36 and 19 against the spread since its debut. Uh, Elliot, what's going on, man? What's going on? I'm pumped to be here. I'm, uh, I'm really excited that uh, we get to talk football this week. I'll do my best to be your best friend. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll start right there. If you want to be my best friend, you have to answer this uh, question correctly. Who do you like better between uh, Metallica and Dave Matthews Band? Metallica. For sure, it's got to be. Metallica. <laughs> well, that that's that's the correct answer. Obviously, I mean, you see, he hears Enter Sandman coming into the show, uh, so we're all already off to a great start here. You know, Greg Sussman is a big Dave Matthews Band fan. He likes you know top forty hits. We we attract because we're complete opposites. So uh, we've already got that out of the way. Uh, I appreciate that you you said that very quickly too. I will mention Elliot. I'm I, I got a little bit of a, like a fanboy thing going on too because you helped me throughout the. Uh, the NFL draft process, I would listen to your podcast, the, the Draft Daily podcast back then. Uh, this past year, you know, listening to your advice about guys like Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold, leading up to the draft. So th- that was a lot of great stuff. I remember you saying, actually, on the Saquon Barkley podcast that you wouldn't be surprised if he went one overall in fantasy. And he's, he's come close to that. I mean, he's not Todd Gurley, but uh, he's pretty damn close. Yeah, he's had that amazing floor week in and week out. The only thing that stopped him from being Todd Gurley is the touchdown equity. And honestly, the offensive line and scheme is killing him. You know, if, if they use they use him, but they don't use him properly. Like even a lot of his flare outs, for example, he's he's catching the ball eight, ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's going to really hurt his opportunity to have those big plays. Well, when we saw him on Monday Night Football against the 49ers, side note, NFL, please stop putting the Giants on Monday Night Football. But when, when we saw him and they, they got him on a linebacker in space, they even had him on two linebackers, and he crushed them and got a 40-yard gain down the field. I, I think that we're seeing Barkley's talent. He's running behind a bad offensive line, and he still has a 20-plus point weekly floor. Uh, the game against the Eagles where he got the touchdowns, he looked like a superhuman, and I think that's kind of what he is as a talent. Absolutely, and I think a common theme that we're going to see this week uh, just from a DFS perspective, season-long as well, all of these top-tier running backs really not named Alvin Kamara because he's going up against the Eagles, but, I mean, he's still Alvin Kamara. He's matchup proof We know that. 
all these top-tier running backs have phenomenal matchups this week. So I think in DFS cash game plays, we're going to see a lot of people, you know, trending towards using two of those top-tier running backs and then uh, really probably loading up at the mid-tier for wide receivers. So we'll see if we can point out some of those mid-tier wide receivers throughout the show here that people can pair up with their high-priced running backs. Let's jump right in because we got a lot of games to preview here, Elliot. Carolina Panthers at the Detroit Lions up first. Detroit home dogs. Four-point dogs at home, 49-and-a-half game total. Obviously, uh, Christian McCaffrey, the must-start here. I will say that the, the Lions' run defense has played better, better since Snacks Harrison arrived there. I mean, you wouldn't realize it, but that's how bad they were beforehand. They have played better with Snacks Harrison. CMC, obviously, still a must-start. Cam Newton, and then I will also throw Kenny Galladay in that discussion as a must-start because... As of right now, it doesn't look like Marvin Jones is going to be able to go. He hasn't practiced all week long dealing with that knee injury. Uh, so how do you feel about Kenny G? Is he one of these mid-tier wide receivers this week that you'll be looking at in cash? And do you trust him as a, I don't know, let's say top 20 wide receiver this week? I do trust him as a top 20 wide receiver. I do trust him in cash. And I think he's he's basically a must-play if Marvin Jones is out. It's one of those situations where who else are they going to throw the ball to? I mean, mm-hmm. you can about Theo Reddick potentially in the slot against Captain Marlon having a, a potentially solid role. But, you know, Kenny Galladay is already seeing 43% of the air yards in um, the last couple weeks since Golden Tate's gone. He's But Marvin Jones and Golden Tate not being there are going to open up 60% of the air yards and 50% of the targets. And, you know, Kenny Galladay can beat Bradbury. He can beat Jackson with his size. I think the Lions going home is going to be terrific for them. Right now, people are down on them. But, you know, Galladay's got a real good shot to see 30% of the, the workload in this game. And at his price in DFS, I don't know how you get away from him in cash. Yeah, and especially, look, if you have him in season long, too, I think you, you try and get him in there the best you could. We just saw what the Steelers did against the Carolina Panthers uh, last Thursday night on Thursday Night Football. Completely annihilated them. That was thanks in part to Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster having big games. So I don't think that the Panthers' secondary is great by any means. They're not bad. They're like middle of the pack, but they could definitely be beat by teams. And we see Kenny Galladay coming off that career-high 13 targets from a week ago. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm, I'm in on Kenny Galladay. I have a few cash lineups already where, again, I'm paying up high at the running back position, and then I'm trying to find some of these mid-tier wide receivers. I think Kenny Galladay is one of those guys. Elliot, I'll bring up on Johnson real quick. He played 70% of the snaps last week, really proving that he's game flow proof. I have him as my RB15 this week. Uh, is that a little bit too aggressive? What? I say game flow proof now because, see, like, they got blown out last week. He still had a phenomenal game. He rushed for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown. And what I really like about his usage is that they tried to use LeGarrette Blunt down near the goal line. He failed twice. The third time they went to on Johnson, he punched it in. That tells me that the coaching staff should start to have more faith in on Johnson. But, again, it's Matt Patricia that's out there. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that continues to roll. Uh, you're confident on Johnson this week, correct? I am confident in carry on Johnson. The assumption of rational coaching is probably the thing that gets us fantasy players in the most <laughs> trouble. But LeGarrette Blunt's been bad as a goal line back for multiple years now. I think last year he was the least efficient runner inside the five-yard line. He's just he has that stigma about him that he's great inside the five. He's not anymore. He's he's about as washed as any player in the NFL. Theo Riddick is more of a wide receiver at this point. You know, he's played the most snaps he's played the last couple of weeks, but he's on the field with on Johnson. You know, Johnson, uh, Scott Barrett did a study this, this offseason and showed that snaps are the most correlated statistic to running back fantasy points. And Johnson's snaps continue to trend upwards. I think they'll he's going to continue to get more and more involved in this game. And, you know, 
I, I think that he's he's a fantastic talent, and as long as he continues to get the opportunity and stays on the field, you know, no Marvin Jones, they're going to get him the ball a lot, and that volume puts him in play as the top 15 running back this week for sure. I like this, man. Elliot agrees with me. We're on the same page so far. We got Metallica. We got Carrion Johnson going on. I like this. Uh, let's keep it going. I, I will throw the Panthers DST out there. They're one of my favorite streams this week. I don't think that they're a talented group by any means. Like, they're not. This isn't the Panthers defense from years ago where they're like an elite defense. But Stafford has been sacked 16 times over his last over the last two weeks. So I just think there's opportunity for, for sacks, for obviously turnovers here for the Panthers. Uh, Elliot, I'll just throw these two out real quickly for you. Devin Funches. To me, he's a sneaky wide receiver three. I know Darius Slay looks like he's expected to return in this game, but the Lions have allowed 10 touchdowns to wide receivers over their last five games. And then on the other side, if Marvin Jones is out, is TJ Jones sneaky to you or are you just completely avoiding that? So I'll start with the Funches question. I think that if Slay is out, I'll be on Funches pretty heavily. If Slay is in, I don't know if I'll have much Funches. Um, that I always have trouble trusting Cam Newton weapons. You know, one tends to have a good game, but he can't really support more than one based off his play style. I trust McCaffrey more in this spot. Even Greg Olson against the Lions with tight ends. So Funches is probably not a guy for me this week. I hope we can remain best friends. But <laughs> with 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 TJ Jones, I don't hate it. It's just a situation where I think I'd much rather get to Galladay, Riddick, or Carrion Johnson. And at that point, I don't know if I want to go to the fourth option on a Lions team that's been struggling to move the ball. Fair enough. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore, minus three and a half right now. No game total on the board because, again, even as of now, it's, you know, it's RG3, it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, we just got some news that they expect this to be, uh, they're going to mix and match these guys. I don't know that Joe Flacco is going to play in this game. I doubt that he does. So it looks like we could get, you know, one series RG3, one series Lamar Jackson, which really kind of throws this whole game for a loop. The one thing that I'm hoping that it doesn't change, Elliot, here is Alex Collins. Because, look, I was an Alex Collins truther before the season. Admittedly, I was... Very high on Alex Collins, and I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew that there was a chance that, you know, uh, Buck Allen was going to be involved here. They obviously go out and trade for Ty Montgomery. His touches haven't been all that. They've been consistent, but they just haven't been consistently high, what we want them to be. Look, I'm praying to the old gods and the new that we can get 15-plus touches in this matchup for Alex Collins because Cincinnati is allowing the fourth-most rushing yards per game this year to running backs. They're allowing the fifth-highest yards per carry to running backs. Everybody on the Bengals' defense is questionable right now. Are you as excited about Alex Collins this week, or do you think he's going to end up being too chalky? Uh, does the quarterback situation worry you too much when it comes to Alex Collins? I'm very excited. What say you? Yeah, I really want Jackson to play as much as possible if I'm an Alex Con Collins owner or want to play him in DFS. This year, with Lamar Jackson on the field, the Ravens are averaging 4.82 yards per carry. Without Lamar Jackson on the field, they're averaging 3.18 yards per carry. You know, Teams respect and fear him as a runner so much that they just leave wide open running lanes for Alex Collins to kind of hit hit the hole and have a ton of open field. And we know his open field ability. I really like Collins this week. He's too cheap on on DraftKings, especially at 4,400. Uh, the Bengals, you mentioned, are just a disaster. Giving up 4.98 yards per carry, 54% success rate against, plus about eight targets per game to running backs. I think if we see Jackson or Griffin, they're going to... I mean, even Griffin has some running ability as well. I think Collins is very much in play. And if Lamar Jackson does get the starting nod, which I... Do, I, I wait, it seems like the, the report changes every single day what it might be. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as we get that that update probably 11 30 on sunday morning we will know 
who the starter is, and it'll impact Alex Collins. But I'm definitely very interested in him this week. So I want to—you uh, want Lamar Jackson in for the rush game, obviously, but it's going to affect the the pass game. Uh, look, Lamar Jackson—he um, has upside. Uh, I think he has potential. To me, he's still very raw as a passer. I'll go as far as to say, you know, Robert Griffin III might even be a more talented passer at this level. It doesn't mean that Lamar Jackson can't get there eventually. I think he could. But, um, th- again, th- this is a good matchup for all Ravens players because the, the Cincinnati Bengals defense just had been so bad. They even went out and, and they fired Terrell Austin, their defense coordinator. So, uh, who, are you looking at anybody here for the Ravens pass catchers because, you know, the Bengals are beat up. Uh, is, is it John Brown? Is it Michael Crabtree? I think it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, I mean, one of these guys might be able to pop off for, for like, like a, a GPP tournament perspective for DFS, but season long, I, I just I don't know who to trust from this group right now. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you want to try to figure out how to get a Ravens receiver in there because of the matchup, but it's not something I feel particularly good about. John Brown is too cheap, and if Robert Griffin ends up as the starter, the one thing I think he does exceptionally well is throw a deep ball, and we know that that's John Brown's game. I. Ultimately, though, I think the Ravens are going to rely on their defense and running game in this game, and I, I don't want to be overexposed to this one. So if if you if you're, I I really think Alex Collins is the strongest play, and maybe sprinkle on some John Brown in tournaments because whenever you have an A dot as high as he does, he's always liable to break off. You know, he can have three catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. He's that kind of player, and he's cheap this week, and he's not going to have much ownership. So that's a GPP special right there. But, you know, I don't feel great about any Ravens with backup quarterbacks without any, you know, ability to look at how these guys have performed together in the past. Elliot, let's move over to the Cincinnati Bengals side of things real quick. Uh, Joe Mixon seems like he might have reaggravated knee injury this week. Uh, he ha- did practice in full uh, on Friday, so uh, we are expecting him to go. I- I'm worried. I'm worried about him in this matchup. The Ravens have been very stout against the run this year, uh, and it's without AJ Green, it's you know how are they moving the football down the field? So Joe Mixon, look, if I have him in season long, I'm still going to play him. I think he's a high end RB two because he's still going to get the volume. But I will say in cash. I'm scared. I mean, in DFS, I'm scared off of him for sure. Uh, Even in like GPP, like contrarian, I'm not going to do it because I'm completely worried about Joe Mixon. Um, For Tyler Boyd, are you too scared off the matchup here and the fact that, you know, what we just saw last week against the Saints in a great matchup, he wasn't able to do much? Is that a correlation with A.J. Green not being on the field, him getting more coverage? Uh, Are you you shying away from Tyler Boyd this week? Yeah, I'm not going to play Tyler Boyd in DFS at all. He's too expensive for this matchup. And, you know... He still ran most of his routes out of the slot last week and got to face off against P.J. Williams, and Andy Dalton still didn't do much with him. Andy Dalton splits without A.J. Green are horrendous. Andy Dalton splits without Tyler Eifert are horrendous. I think he's really a product of his weapons as much as anyone in the NFL. And that Ravens defense at home especially is just not something I want to attack. So I think I'll just completely fade the Bengals, and I think the Ravens defense is actually a pretty strong play in DFS this week. Elliot, real quick, we got about two minutes before our first break here. Dallas Cowboys at the Atlanta Falcons inside the dome. Atlanta favored by three and a half right now. 48 and a half game total. The must starts in this game, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Matt Ryan arguably playing better ball than in his MVP season. Obviously gets the fast track now inside the dome. He's actually played better at home this year. That's to the surprise of nobody. Um, I, I like, you know, I have cash lineups already where I have Ezekiel Elliott. He's one of the... Uh, one of these uh, top-tier running backs that I am looking to pay up for here. The Falcons struggle against uh, pass-catching running backs every single season, and we just saw Zeke have a pretty big game out of the pass game last week against the Eagles. 
I want to mention Amari Cooper because I like him a lot. He's $6,600 on FanDuel. I think he's one of these mid-tier wide receivers that I'm looking to target here. The Falcons have been beat up by wide receivers this year. He has a 26% target share with the Cowboys since he's joined them. Uh, And if I like Amari Cooper, I like Dak Prescott, man. I think he's a good stream for season long. There's six teams on a bye. I might go as far as to say that I'll use Dak Prescott in cash and get DFS. Is that crazy, Elliot? No, I think especially on DraftKings, he's far too cheap at 5,200. The Falcons are giving up about 27 points per game to quarterbacks this year. On top of the fact that they've struggled to stop rushing quarterbacks along 5.8 yards per carry. Dak's getting about five-plus carries a game. Three rushing touchdowns in his last four games. Plus, the Amari Cooper addition is huge for him. He actually is someone on the outside. You know, he also gets a dump it down to Zeke. While Deion Jones is back, that, that Falcons pass defense funnels targets to running backs and Zeke in the open field on passes from Dak can do wonders for Dak Prescott's ceiling. I think Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper are all fantastic. And you mentioned the fast track in the dome with the Falcons. This is becoming the new age Saints team. I mean, the Saints are still this team too, but the Falcons are giving up. All right, Elliot, we're going to hit the break here. We come back. We are going to continue previewing as many of these games as possible. I believe Elliot is a Jets fan as well. Maybe I'll get the opportunity to talk to him about that. Um, Even if you don't want to hear it, I'm going to do it. Fantasy best friends forever. Elliot, Chris, Frank Stamp. We'll be back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Look, if it's not going to be Metallica... Give me some 80s, 90s dance house music, man. Like, I'm all over the place, you know, rap, hip-hop, whatever it is. But, man, I love me some house and uh, some house and dance music. Elliot, do you agree on that, too? I mean, if you don't like it, like, I'm not going to hold that against you. That's completely fine. My music selection probably shouldn't be talked about on air uh, it's it's not necessarily the most popular thing among people my girlfriend says i have the musical taste of a 16 year old girl so i just said that on um and that's now out there but yeah uh 90s music typically is, isn't my thing you all right so your girlfriend says that you have the musical of a 16 a 16 year old girl i mean you probably would get along with greg sussman <laughs> we might have to do another show with greg sussman around we'll get elliot christ on because you know a lot of people have said the same thing about greg is that you know his musical taste reminds them of you know someone who, you know a girl in high school junior high school whatever it might be elliot let's continue going on here uh we got a lot more games to get into houston texans at washington washington three point home dogs 42 point total in this one uh i think the lone must start in this game is probably deandre hopkins and i don't know if you've seen the best friends forever before or if you watch the fantasy sports network but something that's very popular around here a saying that we have when it comes to lamar miller is that lamar miller sucks he's not good uh but we know that he's going to continue to get volume i don't think he's in play for dfs um with with six teams on a bye would you trust him as a low-end rb2 for season-long purposes Season long, I think buys are killing people this week. So I think that 
you're probably stuck playing Lamar Miller. Uh, I agree with you that he's not particularly good. It's not a great matchup, but the volume is going to be there. Since Watson's injury, he hasn't thrown over 25 times, and there's Foreman still not back. So Miller's going to get a lot of volume, and that's kind of what you're looking for, especially this week. There's not like a ton of guys on the, the waiver wire that you could pick up. You know, you're probably looking at a Josh Adams best-case scenario. So I think Miller's startable in season long this week for sure. I think another theme this week is that we have some pretty talented quarterbacks with iffy matchups, like they're not great. I'm looking at the quarterbacks this week. Deshaun Watson is obviously uh, facing Washington this week. Uh, there's only a 42-point game total, so they're not expecting this to be a shootout. I don't know what his ceiling could be in this matchup. Is it you know 250 and two, and he adds in some rushing production? But there's also right behind him in my ranks. I have Trubisky against Minnesota. Not a great matchup, but Trubisky's been getting it done. And then Big Ben on the road at Jacksonville. So. I think that's another common theme this week. We have talented quarterbacks, but they have some pretty tough matchups. So uh, Deshaun Watson, is he a fade for you? Yeah, I won't play him in DFS. I think the way I want to get my exposure to Deshaun Watson is DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Without Will Fuller on the field this year, Hopkins is seeing 37% of the targets. Yes, Demarius Thomas is now there. First game with Demarius Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins saw 50% of the air yards and 50% of the targets. I mean, he's going to get all the looks. And Washington runs predominantly zone coverage, and that's what he's been by far and away best against this year. So far against zone, he's caught 25 of 31 targets uh, for two touchdowns. He's averaging 13.7 yards per target and has a 140.3 wide receiver rating. So I, I expect him to see the ball early and often in this one and dominate all either one of these corners and the zone coverage. And I think it's 7,900, especially on DraftKings at that volume. He's in cash consideration, and I think he's a big-time GPP play this week. Adrian Peterson, I, you know, I make the rundown. I have him written out as a bleh. RB2. Kind of reminds me a lot of the other running back on the other side. It's Lamar Miller. I trust Adrian Peterson a little bit more for season long. Look, it's not a great matchup on either side. They're not expecting a lot of points in this one, but you know uh, what Washington's going to try and do is they're going to try and play ball control. They're going to try and play defense, and how they're going to do that is they're going to turn and, and hand the ball into the stomach of Adrian Peterson 15 to 20 times. So because of volume, he's in play as an RB2. Don't necessarily like him for DFS this week. Jordan Reed, weird season. He's finally staying healthy, but he's not doing much. I know that they've uh, they've made a concerted effort to limit his snaps, uh, which obviously has limited his his upside, his target share. I want to mention Kiki QT just because, look, he's questionable. Uh, they rested him before the bye. They gave him the bye to get this hamstring healthy. Washington has struggled recently against slot wide receivers. And we saw in those uh, in, the, in that two-game sample where he was healthy with Sean Watson, he had 15 targets against the Colts. He had seven targets against the Cowboys. So if you're in a pinch and Kiki QT is active, I think he's sneaky in this week. Uh, sneaky this week for PPR with six teams on a bye. Uh, but again, make sure that he's active before you get him in there. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville, five-point home dogs, a 47-point game total here. The must-start options, obviously, James Conner dealing with the concussion, hasn't been cleared, uh, but I, I expect him to go in this one. Uh, he's been practicing fully all week. Antonio Brown, matchup proof, we know that. Um, Jacksonville's defense hasn't necessarily been the same this year, Elliot. They've allowed 20-plus points five games in a row now. Um, I, I am looking at Juju Smith-Schuster. Again, another one of these mid-tier players. He, he's closer to high price than mid-tier, but I think he's a sneaky DFS play. I think he's a more contrarian, too, because people are going to see, oh, Jacksonville. And, you know, they have this image still of, uh, of Jacksonville from last year. But I think the way to, the to target Jacksonville is actually in the slot. We just saw Juju have a big game last week against the Panthers. Are you on Juju Smith-Schuster this week? 
I I get the logic for sure um, because you, that's exactly where you do want to attack the Jacksonville Jaguars with the tight ends and with the slot receivers. So I think he's in play. I think in general this game is uh, stackable as a contrarian stack, right? James Conner's too cheap. Fournette historically has dominated the Steelers for about 300 yards and five touchdowns in the two games last year. Brown has gotten the better of Jalen Ramsey before. Uh, I, I I think that this this game is interesting, but in general, I you know I, I can't get away from the stigma that the Steelers are on the road at 1 p.m. and I think the mm-hmm. Jaguars are going to get up for this game. Um, so I I'm not. I probably want like one-off exposure in this game. James Conner is certainly on my radar. Juju Smith-Schuster is is in play. Brown is as cheap as you'll ever see him, and Fournette's going to get a monster workload. But I don't know if I want to go crazy on this game. I like the fact that you mentioned Leonard Fournette because obviously, again, people see the tough matchup here against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been very tough against the run all year, but coming off a game where he had 29 touches. Uh, not not really the smartest thing from a coaching perspective, but you can't really put smart coaching and Jacksonville Jaguars all together. Uh, but look, 29 touches, you can't deny that kind of volume. I've had a lot of people asking me questions about him from a season-long perspective this week. If a guy's getting 25-plus touches, I mean, he's a borderline RB1 for me. I don't really care about the matchup. So I'm getting Leonard Fournette in there. Uh, we could talk about the next, you know, the Jaguars wide receivers, but uh, the Steelers defense has actually played much better as of late. D.D. Westbrook did have 10 targets last week. Um, I guess he's the guy if you want to go to one. Like, Dante Moncrief is going to, uh, he's going to he's gonna be on the outside here. He's got, he's got a tough matchup here in this one against Joe Hayden. So I don't know that I want to do anything with the Jags wide receivers. Um, do you agree with that, Elliot? Or, I mean, if there's, ha- if you have to choose one, who would it be? I guess I would choose D.D. Westbrook, but I would. <laughs> Choose, I would choose pass. You know what I mean? I would be like, I mean, it's a season-long thing. I don't think guys, the the pass catchers for the Jaguars are really in TFS consideration this week. I think there's too many guys in that price range that are better plays. Yeah, I have a season-long team where I'm actually I'm getting killed by the buy this week. I have Kenyon Drake on a buy. Not that he's been good by any means, but I have Julian Edelman on a buy. Uh, so I actually have to plug in Dante Moncrief. Don't feel great about it at all, but I, there's like no one else in the waiver wire here. Again, don't feel great about the Jaguars' passing attack, but we do trust Leonard Fournette regardless of the matchup. Tampa Bay Bucks at the New York Giants here. Giants at home, two-point favorites, 52-point game total here. Must starts, obviously Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, uh, Everyone wants to target playing against the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. And with that, I have to ask you, is Eli Manning streamable this week? Because I see people talking about it. A common theme that we talk about here on the show, Fantasy Best Friends Forever, is we don't like using bad players, even if they're in good matchups. And, I mean, Eli Manning is... Does it get much worse than Eli Manning? He is a bad quarterback in a great matchup against Tampa Bay, and I see a lot of people talking about him as a potential streamable quarterback for season long and a very cheap DFS play. Are you doing the Eli Manning thing, Elliot? Uh, I'll get my Eli Manning exposure through Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley since those are the only two guys he's probably going to throw to anyway. Um when I think about Eli Manning, like he's 5,200 and on other weeks it might be in consideration, but I think Dak Prescott at 5,200 has a higher floor and a higher ceiling than Eli Manning does, and I, I really struggle to pivot off him. Even Marcus Mariota for a few hundred dollars more, I think I would prefer to play over Eli Manning. And then you get to guys like Carson Wentz, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan, who I think are all much stronger plays. And I, I once I get that many quarterbacks and they're, they're guys in his price range, I, I start to lose a lot of interest in Eli Manning. But you mentioned Odell Beckham. You know, 50% of the air yards the last four weeks. 
averaging over 17 yards per catch the last three weeks, hasn't seen a game this year with less than nine targets, and going up against the Bucks, who are the worst team in the league against opponents' number one wide receivers. I think he could absolutely destroy this Buccaneers team this week. Uh, you know, 100-plus yards, a touchdown. And I think that's where most of Eli Manning's production will come from. So I'm happy to just have Odell and no Eli this week. At this time, we want to thank our Pursuit viewers for checking in. We'll see you again same time, same place next week. Continuing on in this game with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New York Giants. You know, I had Mike Evans as a, I have a question mark after him as a must start because he's been inconsistent. He dropped a touchdown last week. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's so hard to tell on a weekly basis. I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason as to who they're going to throw the ball to on a weekly basis. I mean, last week, Jaquiz Rogers had eight receptions and 100 yards. I know that they were playing catch-up in that game, but Chris Godwin was over 100 yards receiving. And then you get Adam Humphreys, 50 yards, Mike Evans, 50 yards. O.J. Howard was nowhere to be found. Is there any rhyme or reason to the Bucks' pass catchers right now, and do you still consider Mike Evans a must-start in season long? I think he's a must-start in season long just because of the amount of targets he's seen with Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. Now, I, even the game against the Panthers where he had one catch for 16 yards, he still had 10 targets. He's seen about 25% of Fitzpatrick's targets this year. So I think he's a must-start for season long. Even in DFS, he's cheap and no one's going to be, be on him this week. And he's going to be going up against uh, Janoris Jenkins, who's a shell of himself, and B.W. Webb. I think Deshaun Jackson's interesting this week because he's been getting about 120 air yards per game the last four games. And we know Ryan Fitzpatrick Patrick and he have had a pretty good connection but you know in general the puck, the Bucks just have as many weapons as any team in the NFL and they rotate snaps I mean Godwin and Jackson kind of split that wide receiver two role OJ Howard Cameron Bray you know Howard has monster weeks but it often is on four to five targets where he ends up with 80 yards and two touchdowns just because of how talented he is there's almost too many mouths to feed to trust uh, any individual player outside of Mike Evans in this game. Yeah, I think it's a weird spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick, too. We know that he's going to get the volume. He's going to throw. He could throw for a lot of yards, but he could also turn the ball over a ton. I think there's a low floor here as well. Kind of similar to Blake Bortles. It seems like at any point within a game, Ryan Fitzpatrick could be benched for Jameis Winston, which has just been like a quarterback carousel all season long for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I have Ryan Fitzpatrick as my... 15th ranked quarterback this week, but I'm thinking about moving him behind guys like Marcus Mariota and Dak Prescott just because I feel much better about those matchups and the way that those guys are playing. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you like Mariota and Dak over Fitz this week, or are you still going to trust the volume of Fitz Magic? No, I like Dak especially ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I like Mariota over him as well. The, the thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick is while he's been good this year oftentimes it comes in garbage time where the other team are blowing them out i do not trust the new york giants to blow another team out i don't think that they're going to get up 21 points like they did against the carolina panthers or like the pittsburgh steelers did to the bucks or you know the shootout with the saints game I, you know i think that was kind of more of an anomaly than the the regular the norm so i i like dak and Mariota a lot more than ryan fitzpatrick and i think your point about he could be benched at any point in time you know people rip on Jameis winston for making terrible decisions but ryan fitzpatrick is not far behind him throwing bonehead interception after bonehead interception uh what seems like every week what's crazy is ryan fitzpatrick is just like a 10 to 15 year old older version of Jameis winston they're kind of the <laughs> same guy like they both throw for a lot of yards 
They make boneheaded passes. They throw interceptions as well. Uh, also within this game, I just want to throw this out there. Sterling Shepard, I think he's a solid wide receiver three this week. Uh, Tampa Bay struggles against the slot. Look, Tampa Bay struggles against everybody. We know that. But specifically against the slot, they've been burned a lot this year. So uh, while I don't like Eli Manning all that much, I think Sterling Shepard might be able to surprise some people this week as a wide receiver three. Elliot, we've continuously talked about Mariota. We've uh, we brought him up multiple times already as a streaming quarterback this week. That's the game I want to go to next. The Titans at the Colts. Indy at home right now. A one-point favorite, 49-point game total in this one. I think the must-start here is obviously Andrew Luck. It seems like every single week he's throwing for three, four touchdowns. Look, he's a lock to throw multiple touchdowns. We know that. Um, and, and if we like Andrew Luck this week, I think we got to like T.Y. Hilton, right? It seems to be matched up with Malcolm Butler here, and Butler has just been shredded. I, I, I was listening to another podcast, uh, CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today, they do a great job, and they brought up, and, and I don't think people realize this, the, the Titans have been great against tight ends this year because opposing teams don't need to throw to the tight end against the Titans. They just, they're getting torched by outside wide receivers, so that's where teams are opting to throw the football. It, maybe, you know, maybe the Titans aren't all that great against the tight end, and you know, the Colts have you know, two of the best ones right now in the game. Like J- Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are doing wonders for fantasy purposes. So give me your take on the, the Colts passing attack in this one. Are you on T.Y. Hilton? Do you expect Malcolm Butler to be uh, on him as well? If so, um, do you like the, the Colts tight ends here? Because it's kind of a, a meeting of worlds here because the Titans have been great against the tight end and the Colts have a league-leading 16 touchdowns uh, with their tight ends. So I think the interesting thing is that the Titans actually used Adore Jackson a lot on Josh Gordon in the second half, and he started to shadow him some. And that's when Gordon's production fell off a cliff. I think Adore matches up really well with T.Y. Hilton. So if they're going to do that, I don't love T.Y. Hilton. If Malcolm Butler sees T.Y. Hilton, I love T.Y. Hilton. So um, it's a little bit of assumption of rational coaching that I think Adore will spend more time on Hilton and more time going forward on the top receivers because Butler has been so bad. And that that drops my interest in Hilton a little bit. The thing about Luck is he's so good. He's spreading the ball around so much. Hilton leads the team with a 20% target share the last four weeks, but no one has more than that. Uh, Doyle and Ebron. Doyle, uh, Ebron seems to get the red zone work. Doyle kind of gets the between-the-20s work. Everyone loves to say never Julio. I like to say never Doyle. He's just a guy that's not particularly interesting to me. But I think, you know, you could play naked luck. Mo Cox, Eric Swope, like the, he uses everybody. But you, your point about the Titans being really good against tight ends I think is very valid. I think their defense in general is pretty underrated. Um, I like luck in this one, but I don't know. I actually like this game to go under, and I know it's a more popular game to stack, but I'm I'm less interested in this game than uh, a lot of other people are from a DFS perspective. I do think it's a really, really interesting game. I might be with you on that under the 49-point total right here because, again, the Titans' defense is... You know, they're underappreciated right now. They've played well this year. I don't know that we get this shootout-type performance that people are expecting. You know, that doesn't mean that Andrew Luck still can't be viable because he can still throw for 302. That's fine, but maybe he doesn't have the three, four touchdown upside that we've seen before. And Mariota, on the other side, again, like, the passing volume is never going to be a huge thing for Mariota. But if he gives you, you know, 250 and two with, you know, 30, 40 rushing yards, that's already, you know being close to a top 12 quarterback this week. So you don't need monster numbers out of these guys for them to pay off for you. Uh, I want to mention um, on the other side of the football, the Tennessee Titans, Deion Lewis, 19 plus touches in three straight games. 
you know, it seems like there's a direct correlation here between their offense uh, coming around. And then Corey Davis, he's one of those mid-tier wide receivers I like uh, if we're paying up for running backs. Elliot, we have about 30 seconds left before the break. Um, who do you like on the Titans' side of the football outside of Mariota? Love Deion Lewis. The Colts are allowing 10 targets per game to running backs. That You mentioned the 19-touch floor. Uh, I think it's a great time to go back to him after he busted his chalk. And Corey Davis, man, as long as he continues to see 30% of the offense, he's very intriguing. The only question is Mariota's total volume and whether or not he can sustain Davis's you know, high, touch, high target volume. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, Corey Davis coming off a big game against New England Patriots. Like he, we constantly hear about the target share for Corey Davis, 31% target share. Um, target share could be misleading at times because he has 77 targets, but again, that's because Marcus Mariota doesn't throw the ball all that much. Overall, I think the Titans' offense is moving in the right direction. Mariota's getting healthy. They're starting to get acclimated under Matt LaFleur as well. So I'm buying in here. I like Mariota. I'm with you on Deion Lewis. I like Corey Davis. He's one of these mid-tier options. He's a wide receiver, too, for me this week. We'll be back right after this Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're someone that needs fantasy sports advice every day, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network has you covered. When you download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, you get the top fantasy advice every single day right through the weekend. Be sure to listen to our weekend warriors like College Football Today. Welcome to College Football Today Weekend Fantasy Update. They call me the fantasy Jesus. In this league, it is never short of exciting at ITL. And so much more. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app in the iTunes and Google Play Store now. And keep the best fantasy experts right in your pocket all day long and all week long. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever, the only place where one of the co-hosts, Greg Sussman, doesn't know the song For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. I mean, is this guy living under a rock? He can tell you every single song that Dave Matthews Band ever made. He doesn't know For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. I'm appalled. I'm appalled. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Try DailyRoto.com for free this Thanksgiving. That's right. Free advice from fantasy millionaires. Free. Free. F-R-E-E. Free. Daily fantasy projections and free access to everything you need to dominate NFL DFS thinks Thanksgiving. Don't be a turkey. Head over to DailyRoto.com and enter the promo code TG18 to access your free five-day trial. That's DailyRoto.com, promo code TG18. Also, if you're sticking around on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, you need to know what's coming up next for the rest of the day. 1 p.m., we got our guys, the Fantasy Football Frenzy, Corey Parson, Chris Ventura. Uh, actually, this read that I'm seeing says that Chris Ventura changed his name to Chris Ventura. Maybe uh, maybe the pet detective Chris Ventura. And then we have Jim Day, the Fantasy Taz. Uh, 2 p.m., we got the replay of Roto Experts in the morning. 3 p.m., replay of Fantasy Sports Today. 4 p.m., game time decisions with Red Heat and Rage, Gabe Marinci and Cam Stewart. 6 p.m., Game Time Decision Show changes into Lineup Lock, where they get you ready for DFS. They'll probably be talking about some NBA, some NFL for this weekend as well. 7 p.m., you got Scout Fantasy Sports with Adam Ronis. Elliot, let's get back into these games. We've got a few more here. Denver Broncos at the, La- the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers at home, 7-point favorites, 46-and-a-half game total. 
I always kind of get weary when I see these big spreads, but like the game total isn't that big. Like 46 and a half, Chargers still favored by seven. I think the Broncos could keep this game closer. Must starts for me, obviously Melvin Gordon, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Keenan Allen. I don't think Keenan Allen has actually kind of struggled in his career against Denver, but mind you, that was when they were the no-fly zone. They had to keep sleep and all these guys. Uh, Keenan Allen trending in the right direction. I certainly trust him for season long. Um... It'll be dependent on. Yeah, I haven't really looked into his price on daily this week. Are you on Keenan Allen this week as like a contrarian play, or you just you're not on this game? I I'm probably not going to touch yeah. anything that has to do with Philip Rivers in a yeah. division game. Um, one of our writers this year to start the year did a study on Philip Rivers in a in, in division games and saw that his numbers are basically worse than Josh McCown in his career when he plays in our division games. So uh, that's reflected in Keenan Allen's per- performances. You mentioned those Denver numbers, never gone over 73 yards in his five career games against the Broncos. Those were much better Broncos teams. They do still have Chris Harris and Allen runs the majority of his routes in the slot. So it's not a game I'm particularly excited to attack outside of Melvin Gordon, who, like you mentioned, is in an absolute fantastic spot and is one of those guys that you want to pay up for in DFS this week. I like Cortland Sutton for the rest of the season, maybe in the right matchup, low-end wide receiver three for season-long purposes. But you know, if he's playing on the outside, you know Sanders plays a lot in the slot. You know, they move their wide receivers around, but Cortland Sutton on the outside could see a lot of Casey Hayward in this matchup. So I might be a little bit weary of, of Cortland Sutton this week. Not sure how much upside he has. Uh, Elliot, Royce Freeman expected back was dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, how much does that affect Philip Lindsay? Because it seems like in the games where Royce Freeman was out, Philip Lindsay was getting this 18 to 20 touch workload. I don't, I just don't know that we can trust that same workload with Royce Freeman back. I think he's probably closer to that 14 to 16 touch workload uh, from a season long perspective, or even in daily. I don't know if you like him in daily. I'm going to assume not. But uh, from a season long perspective, is Philip Lindsay still in that RB2 discussion? <sighs> I, I think he's closer to an RB3 this week, especially yeah. with Bosa looking like he's going to play in this game. You know, the, the, the run defense is using the TQE uh, injury tool split. The 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 difference with Joey Bosa on the field, they improve, improve, uh, sorry, improve across the board in every single category with Joey Bosa, especially in run defense. So I don't love it. And you mentioned the touch count going down for Lindsey. The snap count's going to go down for him as well. You know, when... Freeman was healthy. These guys weren't playing more than 45% of the snaps. It's going to cut Lindsey's red zone carries in half. I, I just think that this this Broncos backfield is kind of an avoid as long as three guys are going to play a lot of the, the snaps. Yeah, I'm closer to you. I, I think he's more so in the flex discussion this week than an RB2. See a lot of people ranking Phil Lindsey as an RB2 this week. Uh, I'm a little bit scared off that. I, I heard you mention there uh, one, of those, uh, one of those tools that you have over at the Quant Edge. Um, can you tell us more about that? Because I see people taking screenshots and tweeting about the, the splits tools that you have over on the website. You know, I saw someone tweet out uh, the difference in the Cowboys offense since Amari Cooper has come over. Uh, it was a really, really interesting tool. You want to tell us more about that, uh, Elliot? Yeah, so we have an injury tool where you can take any player on any team off the field and see how his team has performed. You know, you can compare, like Amari Cooper is a great example. You can see how the team's explosive pass plays have done. You can also do it by any individual fantasy player. So we can see how it's impacted Zeke's workload. We can see how it's impacted Dak's yards per attempt. We can see how it's impacted Cole, Be- uh, Cole Beasley's target share. So, And we have that 
for offensive linemen too. So, you know, Lane Johnson's back for the Eagles this week. We can put Lane Johnson on the field and see how that impacts every player and the team. You can take any defensive player off the team. I mentioned Joey Bosa. You can see how that impacts something like sack percentage, explosive pass percentage, yards per carry, yards per attempt. So it's I think it's a fantastic tool where everything's done by snap too. So a guy like A.J. Green misses last week, hadn't missed a game since 2016. We actually had a fair amount of snaps where he wasn't on the field and could say, yes, Tyler Boyd's still going to run the slot all his routes in the slot you know when when green isn't on the field he's still running 80 percent of his routes in the slot so you can you can gain an edge by getting all this information broken down in us and by snap as opposed to a lot of people do it by game and really find out a lot of information you can't get anywhere else other than the quantedge.com. Elliot, we're gonna have to talk off the air because you might I, we, we'll, we'll be we'll be in touch because i gotta i, I am actually very interested in uh, in finding out more about this i know you guys got a lot of cool things going on over there uh, as for Corey Parson and, and Fantasy Football Frenzy coming up next, uh, they're more of like, you know, don't, don't step on my lawn. They're not really analytics guys, uh, but <laughs> we'll, you, you, know, you, guys, you, know, you guys already know what you're going to get from those guys at, uh, at 1 p.m. up next with the Fantasy Football Frenzy. Oakland Raiders at Arizona Cardinals here. Wow, uh, what a game. I'm surprised they didn't, uh, didn't put this game on Monday Night Football this week uh, after getting the 49ers and Giants last week. Um, Arizona favored by five. I never thought I'd say that this season. They're favored by five in a game. They are home. 41-point total. Look, the must-starts are David Johnson. I think the Cardinals' defense is in play. I think Cardinals' defense is going to be very chalky for DFS. Um, Fitz, back-to-back games with double-digit targets here, but hasn't necessarily put up big numbers. I, I, I imagine you don't have much going on in this game. I will say from a season-long perspective, I think Doug Martin's a sneaky flex play just because the Cardinals have been uh, not great against the run, and he has seen 15 touches per game since Marshawn Lynch went down with the injury. Uh, do you have anything on this game, Elliot? Oh, man, this game is brutal. Uh, <laughs> David Johnson, since Byron Leftwich has become the offensive coordinator, uh, Byron Leftwich has recognized that David Johnson is good and should get the football. Uh, Going to save the analytical talk there. That's just a no-brainer. Uh, you mentioned the Arizona defense. I think they're a better season-long start than DFS just because of ownership. Ricky Seals-Jones has been heavily involved in the offense since Byron Leftwich took out took over. And you mentioned the fact that the Cardinals are five-point favorites, which is insane. The TQE betting tool that you mentioned earlier is 36-19 and 19 against the spread. Their favorite, the favorite bet of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. They think this line should be nine and a half. That's what? how bad. That's how bad the analytics think the Oakland Raiders are. <laughs> wow, you heard it here. The Cardinals should be nine and a half point favorites at home against the Oakland Raiders. And look, it's hard to argue it. The Oakland Raiders have laid down. I mean, their season is over. John Gruden obviously playing for the future. And you know what? Everyone's killing John Gruden. I understand. Look, trading away Khalil Mack is dumb. You know what you're getting yourself into coming into the year. You know what your personnel was. But think about it from his perspective. Over the next couple of years, the guy has five first-round picks in, 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 in over the next two seasons again. Um, he's, he's getting himself set up for Las Vegas. He doesn't care about Oakland right now. So while it sucks for Raiders fans and for the black hole right now, John Gruden, John Gruden knows what he's doing. Um, I, I, I truly believe that. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the New Orleans Saints. Saints, eight-point favorites here, 56-point game total. Uh, look, you're starting Breeze, you're starting Kamara, you're starting Michael Thomas. I think Carson Wentz is a must-start in the spot. He's, you know, he's, getting, uh, he's getting eight points here on the road, in the dome. There's going to be a lot of points scored. Zach Ertz coming off a game with 16 targets. You don't need me to tell you to start Zach Ertz. He's in your lineup. Uh, very high price on DFS, but tight, tight end's a crapshoot. So if you wanted to pay up for him, uh, I don't mind it. I think there are two Eagles things that we should tackle here real quick, Elliot. Are you doing the Josh 
Adams thing because I see a lot of people talking him up. I know he's been great on a yards per carry basis. It's just Doug Peterson is going to run a committee. It's what he's done. I mean, every single year he runs a committee. I just I don't see why that's going to change now, uh, and especially in a bad matchup against the Saints. Like I'm not really on Josh Adams at all. And then what are your expectations for Golden Tate? We got a report that he's going to be more acclimated this week in the offense. I don't really understand why he wasn't last week. They had a whole bye week to get him involved. We saw the Cowboys get Amari Cooper. They had a bye week, and, and they've got him involved, you know, his first two games. Why couldn't the Saints, uh, why couldn't the Eagles get Golden Tate involved last week? It's just kind of a, a weird situation for me. So uh, how do you feel about Josh Adams and Golden Tate for the Eagles? I'm not doing the Josh Adams things either. I get it in DFS because he's so cheap and it's the highest total game and you want exposure to it. But I feel like every week we talk up an Eagles running back like, oh, he's going to get the workhorse load. And every week, no running back plays more than 50% of the snaps. So I'm good on that. And like you mentioned, that Saints run defense is the the thing I want to avoid like the plague. I think this is going to be a pass funnel game where the Saints put a lot of pressure on the Eagles and the Eagles have to throw a lot. I think Golden Tate's in play, especially if they can – they run him a lot in the slot this week against P.J. Williams, who, despite the fact that he won Defensive Player of the Week, is about as bad of a corner as you you can get. And Nelson Aguilar is pretty sneaky in GPPs. It's just real cheap exposure if Marshawn Lattimore can take away Alshon Jeffrey. And the Saints have been amazing against tight ends this year. If they force the ball to Golden Tate and Nelson Aguilar, maybe Aguilar kind of pops at real low ownership to a high total game. So I, I, I like the, the Tate-Aguilar, but I'm off Josh Adams. With that, we're going to sign off YouTube for now. Up next, you get the Fantasy Football Frenzy with Corey Parson, Chris Ventra, and Jim Day. If you're listening on podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Sunday night football here. The Bears, two-and-a-half point home favorites. 44-and-a-half point game total here. Uh, must start. I, you know, I have Mitch Trubisky ranked as a must start right now because... You look at it from a season-long perspective, what he's done this season. I believe he's QB7, QB8. Uh, he's getting it done on the ground right now, uh, rushing the football as well. So, look, I don't think he has an immense ceiling. The Vikings' defense, you know, they've they've kind of bounced back ever since that game against the Rams where they just, I mean, the Rams were able to do whatever they want. Um, so, we'll start on the, the Bears side of things. Trubisky, uh, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard. I think Jordan Howard... I, I, from a season-long perspective, I'm out on him this week. Uh, I just I'm not going to do that. He's a touchdown-dependent flex option for me at best. You know, you look at his game log; he's giving you 40, 50, you know, maybe 60 yards max. I think Tariq Cohen and Trubisky are in play. What do you think, Elliot? Yeah, Trubisky's got that rushing floor that's just so fantastic that I'm looking for every week. So as long as he continues to use his legs, I think he's very much in play. Uh, he he's been one of the best fantasy players this year. Tariq Cohen, as long as they keep targeting him seven times a game, I mean, that's real value at the running back position. He's getting a wide receiver workload plus about seven to ten carries a game. I'm with you. I'm completely off Jordan Howard. No interest. The big question for the Bears in this game is that, you know, they've beat up on a lot of real bad teams. They've played the Patriots. That was their one good one. Uh, But the Vikings are probably the best defense they've played in a long time. So it'll be real interesting to see how they step up to better competition. On the other side of the football, obviously Kirk Cousins. Look, I, the Bears' defense has played well. The Vikings' offensive line is not great. We all know that, so he's going to likely be under duress. Kirk, Kirk Cousins not one of the best quarterbacks under pressure. We've seen that before, but I think given the weapons he has from a season-long perspective, he you know he's just outside my top twelve. Um, 
I don't think you're going to use him in daily this week. Yes, he has Adam Thielen. Yes, he has Stephon Diggs. But Thielen, not 100%. Um, Stephon Diggs, if you own him in season long, I'm getting him back in there. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook, we saw, you know, they meant um, that, that game before the bye, they said, all right, he'll be in for about, you know, 20 snaps. He ended up playing, you know, over 50% of the snaps in that game and, and broke that long 70-yard run where his hamstring didn't flare up. So I know it's a bad matchup against the Bears, but uh, season long, I'm not worried about Dalvin Cook. I'm getting him in there. And uh, DFS, uh, I don't. Are you are you in on Dalvin? Are you in on any of the Vikings from a DFS perspective? Um, probably not. I I get the Cook play though because he'll be contrarian, and as long as you continue to see that amount of potential volume, and we know his upside, I I think that's really intriguing from a, a GPP standpoint. But in general, this is one of those games I'm more excited for the football than I am from a betting or DFS perspective. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Kansas City Chiefs at Los Angeles Rams, Monday Night Football, the slobber knocker Rams, three-and-a-half-point favorites. We know this game was supposed to be played in Mexico City, but due to field conditions, they moved this game back to Los Angeles. 63-and-a-half-point game total. Highest game total in NFL history. I have in all caps here on the rundown, start everybody. But is it that simple, Elliot? Are we really starting everybody? Uh, I think the guys who are kind of fringe plays are Sammy Watkins is a wide receiver too. He's been banged up. He's been a little bit boomer bust. But given the total in this game, I just think, it, look, everyone expects it to be a shootout and there's going to be a lot of back and forth. So season long, I'm getting Sammy Watkins in my lineup. Um, I want to ask you about what are your expectations for Josh Reynolds now filling in for Cooper Cup? Uh, we know he was on the field a lot when Cooper Cup went down, but only saw 10% of the target share. Did have a game with two touchdowns. Uh, what are your expectations for Josh Reynolds? Uh, are you doing anything with the Rams tight ends, even from a season-long perspective with six teams on a bye? Uh, and is, is there anything else from this game that you'd like to cover? Uh, and this game is going to be everything from a fantasy <laughs> perspective. Oh, yeah fan perspective i don't know if you could ask for more uh i'm with i think sammy watkins is a wide receiver too but in dfs like i'm kind of glad this game isn't on the main slate because you would just have to put six guys in and hope you you got some something else right but you know i like sammy watkins josh reynolds i think the thing that's really intriguing about him is that the rams like to use him uh, around the goal line and they get him red zone targets and i think that if you're going to have a game with the highest total in nfl history and he's going to be on the field for 80 percent of snaps he's the cheap exposure to the game but uh, if i had to pick a tight end it would be gerald everett but goff doesn't really like using the tight ends but everett is more involved even somewhat as a slot receiver with no cut but uh, you just you're you're playing everybody in this game this game is going to be i think it's going to live up to the hype i don't even it's crazy that it's the highest over under and i don't know how you bet the under in this game um, but i you know I, i'm all in on everybody in this one so elliot you know i i brought people up we talk about the rams and the chiefs game it's going to be fun and now i got to tear everybody down from my knowledge you are a jets fan correct oh yeah we're going to talk about this huh <laughs> look we only got about a minute left so i'm just going to ask you uh, i know you do a lot for uh, the nfl draft uh, wh- what have you seen from sam Darnold? is it as bad as it seemed because it seems like Look, the guy has no help. The play calling has been terrible. And do you think Le'Veon Bell actually lands in New York? I do think Le'Veon Bell lands in New York. I'm not super excited about it, but this team has $100 million to spend and needs to make a splash. Uh, there, So I, I, I think Bell lands there. And I think the thing about Sam Darnold is he's, got, he's shown flashes this year, and that's what I'm looking for. He's got no offensive line, no weapons, bad play calling. And I think there's a chance for him to develop into someone really good. And I'm not worried about their poor performance. 
That's Elliot Chris. Follow him on Twitter at Elliot Chris. Make sure you go check out thequantedge.com. We'll be back next week. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.